You're listening to the Games Industry Dogbiz podcast. I'm James Batchelor, and this week I am joined by Brendan Sinclair, Danielle Partis, Jeffrey Russo. We've got a couple of recent stories to talk about. Uh, first one we're going to be talking about is Sony and Microsoft both reportedly investigating the potential for in game ads for real world products in free-to-play games on their platforms. So both reports came from Business Insider, all very kind of sources close to the plans, but very kind of anonymous stuff. Both companies are reportedly looking at how they can introduce in-game ads uh, for real-world products. Most typically, the example they give is for billboards. So you'd have a billboard in a racing game, uh, in free-to-play game, or billboards you know, in arenas, in free-to-play games that would help kind of monetize the boost in usage particularly since the pandemic and you know, the ongoing popularity of free-to-play titles. The new approach on PlayStation is expected to launch by the end of the year. I don't believe there's any word on when it's going to launch on Microsoft. It's also unclear whether or not Sony or Microsoft would take a cut of the revenue that developers raise with the advertising. I suspect they might. I can't imagine this is purely just about giving money to more to developers without taking a cut themselves. It's worth kind of at this point, at this stage, saying that this is absolutely not a new thing. In-game ads have been tried for years. Famous examples include things like the uh, the Burnout Paradise had billboards and uh, even you know, Barack Obama used them in his presidential election campaign. You would have ad- ads to encourage people to vote in the election in Burnout Paradise. I seem to recall from a couple of years ago, EA started doing some with their... Um, UFC or MMA games where you'd have ads like on the floor of of the arena so like the the branding on the floor of the arena would change like advertising within games is not new Uh, Microsoft in particular is no stranger to this they actually acquired an in-game ad firm called Massive Incorporated for a sum reportedly between 200 million and 400 million dollars in 2006 this is actually the same company that did the um Burnout Paradise ads in the 360 version. The model didn't quite materialise as the company hoped, so Microsoft shut down uh, Massive and shut down the in-game advert business back in 2010. But apparently it wants another go. I've seen a fair amount of kind of... Backlash is a strong word. Grumbling. I've seen a fair amount of grumbling at the prospect of ads in free-to-play titles. Uh, I'm keen to get the team's thoughts. I'm so tired. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm so tired of just being bombarded with ads absolutely everywhere i look and having every moment of my being being forced to like consider a purchasing decision or something for Mm -hmm. some some product that they're trying to shove in front of my face uh so i think a lot of people are probably going to resent that but that said a lot of the stuff that that we enjoy um, that we enjoy for free is really paid for by ads. My my entire professional career has been paid for by ads. Um, so it's it's sort of the the grim way things are. Um, I what I wonder is what's so different now to make dynamic in game advertising uh, work in a way that it didn't work 15 years ago. And the technology might be better from what I, from what I remember the massive double fusion IGA worldwide era. um, There were problems with brands being all that comfortable with it. There were problems with how you price something like, so you put a Mountain Dew branded, soda machine in a game how you can track then um well you would have to put in the the tools to track how large that soda machine appears on the player's screen how long are they viewing it from which angles are they seeing it and there were all these questions about like well what what's really the value of that um and and i i think some of those questions may have been may have been solved i imagine the tracking is is easier now and and companies are probably a little more uh comfortable with with things like programmatic advertising uh and and sort of the uh just trust the analytics uh as far as who this is getting in front of and and things like that but it's an idea that always seemed like yeah that that should probably work you know it was 
15 years ago, it was the next big thing. And I looked at it and I, I thought like, okay, that makes sense. I, I get why this is a deal. And then it just kind of, it just kind of faded away, which, which surprised me. But uh, I mean, like you mentioned, James, in-game advertising is, is nothing new. I mean, I'm pretty sure the NES uh, Ninja Turtles port of the arcade game would have a, a Pizza Hut billboard that would like <laughs> fall off the wall and crush you when you walked by it, which seemed like the, the most you know, symbolic uh, approach to in-game advertising I've ever seen. Um, and it's it's been there pretty much since the beginning. There's a Purina Chuck Wagon game on the Atari 2600. It'll be there. It'll be there until the end. Um, yeah, this is, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of just kind of like, resigning yourself to awful outcomes or things that are you know well that's no good but what are you gonna do i'm not a fan of that attitude but in-game advertising is actually one area where i kind of i kind of take that attitude just because i don't really see the alternative and i don't have much optimism that the grousing people will do will actually result in, you know, any kind of action or, or any of these companies taking uh, a look at what they're doing and saying, you know what, we should leave a little bit of money on the table here. We should we should not monetize every last aspect of that experience, because if they were to decide that, that's like a decision that goes against basically every fundamental decision in video games of the last 20 or 30 years. So yeah, yeah, it's a bummer. <laughs> to, go back to, your, to go back to your point of uh, this has happened from the beginning, I recently learned that Tapper, the old uh, arcade game about pouring pints of beer. That oh yeah, mo- Budweiser, the, the, right? Budweiser, that was a Budweiser branded game um, when it first came out. Is that, um, which, yeah, yeah, so it's it's... It's not new. We've established this. It's not new. I think what's changed, I don't think it's the technology. You're right. The technology has got better. We're, e- we're better able to kind of track um, things. I mean, I agree with your your exasperated sigh at the start of this. I'm tired of being advertised the things that I have already decided not to buy or sometimes have already bought. Like I recently bought myself a new laptop because my old one was dying. And I have, I, despite the fact that they can track what I've been looking at and what what com- you know, what sites I've been browsing, the one that I actually made a purchase at hasn't tracked the fact that I did buy one. So I'm still getting advertised for the model that I already have that I've bought. So, yeah, the the technology has come on. I think what's really changed is the consumer behavior. I think it really is this shift to free to play. 2008, 2006 when, you know, 2006 when Microsoft bought Massive, free to play wasn't a massive thing. Even in 2008 when the Burnout Paradise billboards example which everyone everyone it is the go-to example, free to play wasn't a massive thing. But you look at what games are being played now, um they are you know, free to play is the dominant model, and I think that's even shifting to consoles. Like I, we we don't have exact stats on what the most played games on Xbox or PlayStation are, but I'm gonna hazard a guess that it's Fortnite and Roblox and Apex Legends and things that are free. I mean, just looking at them, a casual glance at the Steam charts um, on Steam DB. The top five titles, Counter-Strike, Dota 2, Lost Ark, PUBG, and Apex Legends, all five of those, the five most played games on Steam, are free to play. And I can't imagine it's too different on console. So you have these audiences that are engaging with your platforms, that are you know, um, spending hours and hours and hours on your platform with a title they can access for free, and... No one is, there's not as much money coming from that because they haven't purchased the game. Only a minority of them buy the in game transactions, although not a massive minority, not too small a minority because obviously that funds funds these games. So, yeah, I, I can imagine it, it, all these stories about like, you know, um, Microsoft and Sony might not take a cut. I would be shocked if any executive at Sony and Microsoft is looking at the stats of like, right, the most played games on our on our platforms are free we're not getting any money from those because we haven't they're not our games so we haven't sold them they're not even third-party premium games so we're not even getting a cut of the royalties they are free games and yes they get the 30 percent of the um, transactions but there's never enough money (laughs) is there you know they always want more 
um, I can I can see why that this is this has come up. That, that you know what, free to play is is too big a mon- model for them to not try to monetize even further. In game ads aren't always terrible. They're not they're not uniquely bad. Um, like I, I remember one of one of the the coolest like things that I saw um, in. I remember one pretty cool thing that I that I uh, saw on like a press junket once. It was it was Gran Turismo three, and it was like here's our pre release version of it, and they were showing people the Times Square track that they had, and they had just like they had just recreated Times Square ads and all, so like. There was like, oh, there's the the Cineplex Odeon Theater there, and it's the the normal branding. It's like they just took pictures from the street and then used those as the assets for everything. So it was like a, a time capsule of a very specific point in in Times Square's history, and and you could drive around it and and say like, wow, that's you know, I'm there. You know, that feels so much more realistic to me than living in this alternate weird video game world where everything's like oh i kind of see what that's supposed to be like oh i see that's that's like a mcdonald's-y sort of thing and that's an abercrombie and fitch store or whatever um and it was cool and it it was added to the immersion and and it had that that neat feel of you know like if you if you play a a game based in a, a city where you are familiar with things and you're like oh let's let's go down to you know the apartment where i lived or or that that one concert venue that i visited and you see it there and it's like wow that's that's neat um and and i think that there's there's room for for in-game ads to kind of evolve in that direction and and i i i wouldn't be surprised to see it um to see it eventually just become a lot more complex uh like i i think about ea sports games and uh i i think well why not work with the league with the teams with the the advertisers and have your in-game rink uh advertising tied to the actual rink advertising uh like i'm i'm looking at pictures of ea's nhl 22 and i'm not seeing the you know the same dasher board ads around the rink that i see when i watch it watch a game on tv you know i'm I'm not seeing like the the ad for tiktok on the helmets of the toronto maple leafs like i see when i watch on on tv and they've been doing this for a while i think with like on fifa the the club's jerseys always have the proper advertising on them right why why can this established relationship not not be scaled up to to include everything so like i i just as as much as um as much as i resent a lot of advertising i i I do think that there's there are places where it can be used intelligently and where it can be improved upon to to work you know in, in a way that it is um at the very least not offensive to players yeah i think with with thinking like about um fifa and and sports games and advertisements tied to them i think the relationships there are quite contextual like as you say those kind of advertisements you would expect to see at you know real sports events and sports games that you see in these games um, which kind of makes sense but there's also a lot of mistrust and exploitation that's been breeding in these free-to-play spaces across mobile where um advertisements are very invasive and not particularly targeted to to their audience they're just kind of there to to generate as much appeal as possible and it's become quite predatory and i think seeing that a lot in the mobile space is very off-putting to to the pc and console space because people generally want more premium experiences on these consoles even though they're playing free-to-play games and there's you know options for them to to earn other things in games by by watching ads etc but it's quite miserable to just have the ads there um very invasively when they're not targeted and you can't really 
avoid them. I think that's going to make for a pretty miserable player experience in the future. It used to be there are a lot of things where advertising was kind of accepted as the price of free entertainment, you know, from mm-hmm. television to, to mobile free-to-play games. And even even with uh, with video games, you know, like there was there was a time where it's like, wait a second, you're going to charge me $50 for the game and you're going to have microtransactions in there as well. Um, and that was, there was a lot of pushback against that. And then people ultimately you know spent the money and mm-hmm. now we're now we're in a, a place with video games where people are used to paying money and then having all these other business models layered on top of it so you pay money for a game but then you have to have your subscription for the online multiplayer component and then you're you know spending money on extra DLC or, or in-game uh, EA FIFA tokens for, for Ultimate Team. I can't remember the name of the FIFA bucks or whatever, but it's it, it's it's a little more offensive in games, I find, um, because they haven't really abandoned that idea of the upfront charge at all. You know, when I, when I go to a video game website and I want to read a really interesting story, and it has to occupy like 5% of the screen because of all the ads everywhere. And there's ads between every paragraph. Like that's really irritating. But at the same time, if I didn't pay for it, I'm kind of like, oh, no, I, I, I get that. Mm-hmm. But the, I mean, y- you see a little bit of in video games, there is there is still sort of like an audience there uh, for for the ad free experience that doesn't have any of the extra cruft and doesn't have all these different business models and you can kind of see it in the way um sony runs their a lot of their you know single player focused blockbuster games or the way apple has created apple arcade um, specifically as like a reaction to everyone hates free-to-play games (laughs) Or, or at least, you know, there's enough people that hate free-to-play games that we can make a, a business out of cutting these standards out of the, the mobile gaming experience and just offering people just games. So I, I, I suspect there will, there will continue to be a market for that in video games as well. But um, I, it, it would... It, it's not something that I really want to see because I, I suspect that it will, you know, gradually become a smaller and smaller portion of the market in this, in the same way that, you know, pay once upfront $60 or whatever premium game that doesn't have other monetization models or DLC or, you know, games as a service stuff tacked onto it, uh, has become, more and more rare i mean ultimately you know folks take a, a took objection to this because uh we're we're all well not we collectively but people are concerned like to what degree will we see it like you know all the points that were brought up already it's um and brendan just mentioned you know how quote-unquote rare is it now that you'll purchase a game and there aren't these other things tacked on um i'm over exaggerating we we haven't really gotten to that point but um you know i also think about advertising in a way that you know if it's not just a billboard is it say like skateboard if you're playing a skating game or shoes or a, a character has a watch that's always in view and i'll tell you oh it's an apple watch or, or or something i don't know silly like that but may not be out of the realm of possibility now that i think about it um much like films um i don't know it, it, it it's interesting to see where we'll see that will go um with these free-to-play titles um but also that could also mean you know when i think about Fortnite and um roblox for example that could also very well be just having 
a brand figure, say perhaps, you know, an athlete, I'm thinking about FIFA, and you just see their them in their uniform in the game very clearly, you know, uh, with said team. It could also mean that, right? Um, but, again, who's to say what, what, what form that'll be? It'll be interesting to see how, how far to go and what, what objections, you know, consumers will have because that'll also change... Um, how egregious it will be or it may not be. So, um, unfortunately, we have to sit back and wait. <laughs> I'm coming with you on a, a similar note. Like, I'm surprised that that product placement hasn't been a bigger thing in games. Like like you said, like that's how film have done it for years. Like, you know, don't have, like, you know, a random billboard for McDonald's in the background of the new Bond film, but he is wearing, all, you know, the latest Omega watch. You know, that sort of thing. Like, it, it, product placement has funded films, or at least contributed to films like funding for, for decades. And I'm surprised there's not more of that in games. Like, I, I, Brendan's point earlier about, like, a Mountain Dew tumbling, uh, vending machine, sorry, I swear there's a tumbler that is, like, collects all, like, kind of fake video game vending machines because they haven't been able to get the license for a real brand they've made up their own brand and it's just a just a collection of screenshots of these vending machines i'm surprised there isn't more i guess the reason there isn't more is it's a combination of like licensing agreements you know advertising isn't forever like games hopefully are like you know if you build a vending machine and the you know the the licensing agreement for using the coca-cola brand is only for two years you've then got to patch out that vending machine and replace it with another one so that's that's a difficulty and also you limit yourself to games that are set in the present day and in the real world you couldn't have you know a mountain dew vending machine turn up in elden ring that would just be stupid (laughs) so yeah but i'm surprised like the games where it does work i'm surprised there isn't more more product placement beyond selling branded branded items, which is obviously it's kind of on the rise over the last few years. It's also an issue um, from sort of a long-term view. Like you look at something uh, like Crazy Taxi and it had like a Kentucky Fried Chicken and a Pizza Hut in there originally. Um, and I believe when they re-released it um, somewhat recently, they had to like remove those. Uh, so... For developers, you really want like a a permanent license to use whatever kind of product placement branding you would put in there so that you can always just re-release the game and it doesn't require you to go back in there and replace assets or change things. Um, but the brands, I, I don't know how open to that they are because they they aren't going to want you releasing a game 10 years from now with a branding scheme that they have since, you know, spent a whole lot of money to overhaul and, and get a new logo and everything. And, and it's sort of, it, it, it really, um, it pigeonholes like your, your game, I guess it, it ties it to a very specific era and, and you're either going to be, you know, just keeping that era preserved in amber for for the rest of the, the the game's life and i think a lot of games that aren't mobile games anyways are now being designed with like you know re-releases and, and long tails and selling it down the road in mind um or or you're you know making something where you can do some kind of graceful degradation uh where at a certain point it just kind of flips off and then you've already got the uh, the, the unbranded counterpart version created in 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 advance, and and either either solution, I like. I don't think either one is great. I I, I think that they they add more work. Uh, generally, either in in upfront negotiation or preparing for the eventual loss of a brand or, or down the line and retro retrofitting it. So, like. I can see other reasons why developers also might not really be thrilled about uh, the complications that in-game advertising can can involve. I think this is all the more jarring and that the news has gone down, um, it, it has been received quite negatively because as, as Brendan intimated at the start, like we are just bombarded by adverts everywhere. Like and even you, know, the news came out you know within a week or so of you know reports that Netflix is going to release a, uh, a you know a lower tier a lower priced subscription where you have ads or they're going to increase the 
price of the Atlas subscription, and then the standard one will have ads. Like, you know, just yeah, you can't escape advertising. It's everywhere. It's in every form of entertainment, and and games in so many ways is such an escapist form of of, of entertainment. It's a way to escape, and so being you know reminded of the real world products that everyone wants you to buy i can absolutely see why people are frustrated by that i mean you know mm-hmm. blimey you can't even watch a, a 30 second clip on youtube without watching two minutes of adverts first mm-hmm. i'm intrigued to see what they do with this as as we've said like this is not the first time in-game advertising has been tried there's no reason to believe this will take off more than it would last time but i don't know that there's just something about the way that we've all shifted towards this free to pay model and consumers have have shifted towards expecting content for free or at no additional cost to whatever they're paying for their subscription already like i think i think the the environment lends itself more to in-game ads than it did ever before there's also like concerns i think about how advertising shapes uh whatever you put it into uh, and like in in journalism, obviously we we see the tension uh, between you know the the needs of the advertisers and the needs of like the journalists, the the actual reason that people you know come to our sites. Um, th- th- those those tensions have been very clear uh, throughout the history of journalism in general, um, and. With games, it's it's sort of you know, it's it happens just the same. I guess the more the business model depends on advertising, um, the more the more the actual content shapes itself to meet the needs of the advertisers. And I don't know if that's necessarily uh, going to be a good thing. Some sometimes it's sort of you know innocuous but it 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 absolutely shapes it i mean you think about the half hour tv format and and the the kind of like cliffhanger breaks you get every 10 minutes for uh for a commercial block to go in there and and i i don't necessarily think that that format is inherently bad but i i think for for decades TV shows had to really adhere to it, whether it was for the best or or not for that particular show. And uh, I, I I don't I don't necessarily think that all of a sudden that means you know World of Warcraft is going to be having a whole bunch of uh, credit card and sports betting ads thrown into that world. Uh, but I I do think that that it's sort of inevitable that when you when you build a revenue stream into the business like at first it's just kind of like hey we don't have this right now but if we bring it in then that'll that'll make things a little easier for us right we'll make a little bit more money we'll have a little bit more freedom to hey that's it's all good um but then once it's actually established and a thing that you can count on then you start to make all your decisions and budgeting around that and you start to rely on it and then once you rely on it then you can't really push back on it in the same way that you can right now if subway says no we want our our five dollar footlong promotion to come up at the title screen of your game um so i i worry about that also like i don't they don't do five dollar footlong anymore, right? Like I think that that's like ten or something years old. Footlongs got too expensive. I don't, it has been a while since I've had a footlong, so I don't remember the price. <laughs> yeah, same. But uh, but I but I always went footlong. But but it was a really good jingle, <laughs> and it gets stuck in your head, and it's it's in my head right now, like ten fifteen <laughs> years later, because advertising works and it corrupts people. And... <laughs> yeah. I- I would I would genuinely find the subway jingle and put it in the podcast there as we transition to the next topic, but I think then that's that's not really serving our point because we are just selling more footlongs.
Next, we want to discuss a new policy from Apple uh, regarding its App Store. This was highlighted by Motivoto developer Protopop Games, um, who was basically received a message saying that um, because their their app had not been updated for a significant amount of time, I'm doing that in air quotes, significant amount of time, it was in danger of being removed from the store. Now, at the time of recording, I don't believe it's 100% clear as to what needed updating. Um, but basically, Apple has been sending emails to developers saying, right, if you do not update your app, it will be removed from sale within 30 days. Um a lot of developers are complaining about this because, well, numerous reasons. One is that you know the amount of effort and time it takes to update an app. If you're an indie developer, particularly if you're a small developer or a one-person developer, like the the effort it can take to you know fish out, and particularly if it's an, a much much older game, if it is older than say two years, that's the 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 figure that was going around is that people assumed it was games that haven't been updated within the last two years, but that happened to be the, the length of time that Motivoto hadn't been updated, um, I believe. Yeah, the, the effort of going, like, fishing out old app files and having to create a new build and so forth, um, the preservation question has been brought up because obviously this means that we're about to lose a ton of games. Like, And I understand the, the, the basic principle of this is Apple trying to clear house. I can only imagine how cluttered the app store is given how simple it is to kind of release your own app. There must be countless ones out there that would just kind of you know fire and forget. I mean, blimey, how many, how many Flappy Bird clones are probably still lurking there having not been touched since Flappy Bird was a thing? Um, so I can understand the need to clean house. But yeah, the, there's a danger that we're going to lose a lot of games purely because developers aren't able to suddenly you know update their game or may not have anything to update their game with like what 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 needs updating um i even saw i swear i saw one developer complaining that um stickers if they're still a thing on ios stickers were going to be removed they're they're the stickers that they created were going to be removed because those hadn't been updated how do you update a sticker that's not a genuine question. I don't expect anyone to answer me how they update a sticker. Thought, thoughts on this? Thoughts on the potential of losing a ton of apps and games from the App Store within 30 days because of this? You need to update every, you know, however long, two years, for example. Uh, I think, as you just said, it's a, a, a adjacent to the preservation conversation. But I think at, at its base level, I find it really disappointing that I, this... Uh, you know, this new rule means that games can't just uh, exist as as a piece of art or a finished product that a developer has made at some point in their life, in their career, maybe as a as a hobbyist thing or something that they've, you know, made income off at some point, and it can't just stay there as its own finished thing that they made um, to to be enjoyed whenever people stumble across it or for you know previous players to to replay it. Um, and as you you literally just said it it puts extra pressure on developers to to keep these apps up to date and if they're indie developers and they're not continuously making revenue from these older titles it's time and effort to go back in and and update them especially when maybe some of these games are just finished projects finished pieces and there's absolutely no need to update them they're fine as they are and i think yeah that, that was basically just a long sentence of me saying that it's disappointing that games can't just be finished and exist forever <laughs> it's so weird because um if you're a small developer who's who's made a moderately successful or good hit and you released that a year or two ago and, it, and it's going just fine and all of a sudden apple's like hey you need to update this based off some very to to me not not very logical arbitrary rule about keeping things updated so what do you do what am i going to do and you have a month to think of something um to to update it when it probably doesn't even need anything so you know i think the position that puts people in it, it it's that it says I, I think partially is that you just need to update your game for the sake of updating it but when it comes to the whole matter of, of preservation to a larger point, and I think this is a, um, a problem, well, obviously it's a problem with video games, is that why can't things just be a capsule of what they are, whatever a person thought of that time, and that's it, and they'll just exist and be readily available to people 5, 10, 20 years down the line just to see 
I or whomever may have created something it took maybe six or seven months to create and this weird little thing still holds up today or or doesn't just something interesting to study and and it's really bizarre It, it I I it's very hard for me to believe that someone who was a game developer, game creator, thought of this. <laughs> I don't want to assume, but I, I, I'm just thinking, mm, you probably weren't when you thought of this. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And, and from the preservation standpoint, you're going to disappear into the ether simply because you couldn't update your game in 30 days because it, it's fine the way it is. I, it's very odd. It, it's really bothersome to me just because like the the big thing about digital distribution one of the big core advantages of it is like hey now we have infinite shelf space right and it becomes much more an issue about discoverability and like that's the thing i don't i don't see the harm in having you know the app store well cluttered or whatever phrase you want to use with a whole bunch of apps that haven't been um, updated in a couple years because people aren't necessarily going to find them offhand, right? You're you're not stumbling on a ton of these old apps, and even if you are, if they're if they are complete, and you download them and play them, and it hasn't been updated in a couple of years, like that, does it really matter that much? Um, like this, this just seems like apple like apple's never really cared that much about games which is a really messed up um situation because so much of their success has been due to games so much of the the app store's money comes from from video games and they with the iphone and the ipad they have uh, really shaped mobile gaming in the last 12, 13 years or so. And, and it's been, it, it, it's just terribly unfortunate that a company that has maybe had the greatest impact on gaming in the last however long uh, since the launch of the iPhone is, is also so routinely disinterested in gaming and and sees no almost no obligation uh to be a steward of the medium or or to to try and you know shepherd it to a good place for for developers and and for the medium itself instead they're like hey if you want to have a message write a book or something don't put it in your games you know they, they've constantly had this sort of derision towards um the the medium as, as far as like what it can be and how how important we should treat it apple arcade i think is uh it's like the lone exception that that i can think of there because it seems i i, I thought with apple arcade that they were kind of looking at what had happened with uh the free-to-play model and how it had just obliterated the possibility for premium games on mobile just about um and and they were wanting to create a space for for self-contained uh premium mobile experiences to succeed um but outside of that like apple has uh consistently from what i've seen just not really put much thought into uh, the impact that its decisions and its storefront have on on games as a medium as you know the as the entire medium because um, it's certainly the impacts were not limited to the iPhone uh, when you look at at the free-to-play model and and what's you know what's happened to pc and console gaming as well um yeah and it, it just it's it's disheartening to to see the the person steering the ship um doesn't really care that much about ships 
there's the impact on consumers as well. Like, not all of us are invested solely in free-to-play games. Some of us buy premium games. If those premium games are then removed from the store, we don't have the option to re-download them. I, in my iPhone days, um, did buy a fair number of games, and then those games were removed because of changes to the App Store. I presumably, like things like the the big shift towards sixty-four bit apps. Like, I don't know if it was, this was the specific reason for these apps, but like, I I lost. I had um, I bought the original Civilization Revolution, and I really enjoyed it. And now I can't play it because it has been removed from the the store because it wasn't wasn't updated. Presumably, I had both the Monkey Island Special Editions, which I really kind of fancy going back to now because um, you yeah, know, Return to Monkey Island has been confirmed. I can't. They're not on either app store because either they didn't get updated or licensing you know agreements expired. Whatever, like. It's just a stark reminder that the, the games you buy, the digital games you buy, you don't. You're renting them mm-hmm. as, or you're, you're, you're getting access to them as long as the companies allow. And that company may be the developer, but it may be Apple. And yeah, they're like the slightest change, as, as Brendan says, like the slightest change can have such a massive impact on the game space. And in the end, that means consumers are deprived of some apps that they own. One one point, and this is echoing something Chris said uh, a few weeks back here, is um, to just to say that Microsoft has actually done a you know fairly good job about uh, thinking longer term in in terms of uh, the availability of you know the it's digitally distributed uh, software because you mentioned the special editions of Secret of Monkey Island, and just the other day I was browsing xbox's marketplace and the xbox 360 versions of those two games are still available and still can be purchased and downloaded and played on the xbox one and the series xs so like that's that's the kind of thing that um apple just clearly does not care about in the slightest and and i see absolutely no no signs in the future that that they they would because um i I don't think they value the the past at at all really because i think they want to push both developers and consumers to be constantly upgrading uh every every other year you know get a new iphone get a new iphone get a new iphone make your make your games to support our our new stuff so that people will want to buy the new iPhone. Don't be happy with what was already there before. And that's, that's an incredibly wasteful um, uh, approach. I also think about how preservation, let's be honest, it's not really in, in, in a lot of people's mind or the, well, that's not the right way I'm trying to say. It. Well, I, I guess a better word would be to say a part of their business operations to to offer consumers. Because I think of how this week um we got announcement of um a senior engineer joining um Sony for their first preservation team. I could be wrong. If I am, please edit that out. But uh, from what I understand, they didn't really have that before. And at first, my reaction to that was. I was a little baffled, but then when I think about the choices that they made over the years, it's really not that surprising. Um, you know, but decades later, why is that an idea now? <laughs> I couldn't tell you, but this goes back, but to go back to Apple and a preservation thing, um, things will be lost, unfortunately. That's just, just how it is. We're, we're going to see things lost. Um, it won't be good. And then when we come back to this conversation again and again, the question I'm still going to have is that what are these companies really trying to do about that? Um, if you just create these um, very odd goalposts, you know, ultimately you're, you're losing work. That's it. And, and, and people won't, won't, won't find out these great ideas that existed literally maybe three, four or five years ago due to the fact that, well, after 30 days, uh, this development team of three people had this really good idea, couldn't think of something, and then their app was just removed. And unfortunately, because of things, they couldn't, you know, get back up on the store. 
One last point I'd want to make, and it's one I'm borrowing from someone else that I read, um, is that the this decision, like this decision that, right, if your game is not updated within a certain amount of time, um, it gets removed, it lends itself to a certain type of game. Like, yes, the vast majority of games on iPhone are free-to-play games that update regularly, that have events, that have you know, special moments, that have seasons, all this kind of live op stuff that keeps them going. But, you know, as, as Jeffrey and Danielle were saying earlier, like, you know, some games should exist as standalone art. And, like, those sort of games are in danger of being pushed out because if you've made a game that is meant to be a one-and-done release, that is meant to be a standalone product, is not meant to be expanded or upgraded or, you know, have additional content or anything like that, it's designed as a standalone game, which, quite frankly, is my preference, Um if it's not designed to be like that, you're then at the whim of rules like this, and that perhaps discourages developers from making this, yeah, you know, those sort of games. Like I can imagine anyone caught up in this, anyone who who finds that they've got to suddenly scramble to make up, you know, make seemingly pointless updates to an, to a, to their older apps purely to keep them on the store, is going to be less encouraged to make that sort of game going forward, and it's just a horrible idea of a platform holder's decisions regardless of how they are motivated deciding how games themselves are designed i believe i'm stealing this point from nathan brown's hit point um newsletter so shout out to nathan that's a great example because um you know again i think about and it's such a weird way to think about this but i do want to voice that it's so you know by virtue of what you know game development is it's about providing consumers you know your uh, best ideas and uh, from the resources that you have right um so again this preservation thing that uh, another point that i i see as a problem is that when it comes down to you know that word resources you know you you and the team could have created this this game a one and done that gives someone a, a good maybe at most five or six hours of play, but it, it it's really unfortunate that you, you and your team won't ever, you know, meet up to the muster of, say, something like Genshin Impact, for example. Not, not to single them out, but I think that's a good example of where they'll have no problem meeting this requirement whatsoever because that just has content for days, and that's also a big development team but obviously they have a roadmap where they understand what they'll be giving consumers but again it's to say what about um you know those quote-unquote hidden gems in the market i think that that's going to get smaller and smaller um because not everyone wants to be a, a live service game not i don't think everyone should be a live service game and these quirky little ideas you know that people like to find eventually where where are we going to find them if you know by virtue of the present that history is literally going to be erased you know um there's steam there's you know the app stores but also um the article mentioned that this kind of policy is being implemented as well in the google play store or something close to that so again it's going to create this weird dis uh um uh parody you know and, and and that that's that's an odd thing too i think of as well when it comes to creative works i think about you know, whenever we have these conversations, I don't think just think about games. I think about film and music and how readily available these things can be decades after or a certain time after for people. And it, it, it really does become bizarre where you can't simply just do a Google search and just find something and then you'll find out, oh, a number of years later, this was taken down from here, but here are YouTube videos that, that people decided to take upon themselves to show you this great idea of this game that you can't play anymore because the developers didn't have the access or the resources to keep it up to the, you know in the app stores. And it's weird, and I think there's been a few times I've seen something like that happen to myself personally, but I, I guess what I want listeners to think about is that um, these choices um, aren't a good idea because... You know, the people with the least amount of resources, again, are going to get the short end of the stick. And there's no way to 
to to fix that because you have these rules that apply to like the biggest most uh revenue earning folks but all the good ideas from the folks on the bottom of the barrel i I don't mean that pejoratively i mean you know in terms of resources or what have you are just gonna go by it's weird I'll give an example of a game that I think could be affected, like kind of tying in with what, what Jeffrey was saying and, and what I was saying about certain types of games. Um, Florence by Mountains. Florence by Mountains is a 40-minute game. It does not need any expansion. It does not need a DLC. It does not need sequel. It doesn't need any events. It is just a 40-minute experience that I find trouble recommending, obviously, because of the reports that have come out about Ken Wong Sinks and his, his leadership and his management style, but as a game, as a standalone game experience, I thoroughly enjoyed and do think we need to see more of that sort of game. If I remember rightly from the reports, Mountains isn't quite operating at full or indeed any capacity at the moment due to the uh, the disputes around um, Wong's management style. So who's to say that that game will be updated you know, to meet Apple's new demands. That, I, I think that's an important title. I think that's one that needs to be continued. And that's not even an old game, not too old a game, only a few years ago. Um, but that's the sort of game that could be caught up in this sort of thing. And I think that's a massive shame. That's all we've got time for this week. You can find previous episodes of this podcast on the podcasting platform of your choice. And as always, you can find more news, insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz. I'm sorry. Was any of that relevant? Yeah, no, it was. I'm sorry. I was There was. I was waiting for Jeffrey or Daniel to go forth, and, and I was trying to remember the point I was going to bring up next. It's gone. It's gone. Someone else talk while I remember my point. <laughs>